Uh, my name is Dr. Angela Slater. I'm a writer of fantasy, fairy tale, and horror. Um, I'm also a teacher of creative writing and a freelance editor. So a few hats. And what influences you to rewrite fairy tales? Um, I, I love them because I think they're often our first stories. They're the things that we get, you know, most of us get in childhood and they, and they hang around uh, for a very long time. And I, I like the idea of working in the medium because I, I feel like I'm, um, I'm working in a very long tradition and I'm putting my new stamp on it because I, I think, you know, that it's, it's also a very malleable form um and open to um to reworking but a reader can always still see the you know the the bones of the thing of what it used to be which is really interesting to me as a writer and why do you think these fairy tales need reworking um i don't know if they need it so much as we um i think we just really like doing it you know mm. <laughs> i mean Although, although maybe, you know, it's it's the idea of adapting them just for, for the modern ear and the modern day because they they originally started out as as oral tales. You know, that was that was how we communicated and, and, and how we warned each other around the, you know, the fireside back in the old days. Um, so maybe we're rewriting them as new forms of warnings to to future generations or, or something like that. And let's talk specifically about the armless maiden and and why you wanted to rewrite that tale. I rewrote that one as part of my masters, um, and I I was looking at, at reloading fairy tales um, about ideas of female agency, and also um, fairy tales are you know the old ones are very full of women competing against women, you know, sister against sister, and and mother in laws who don't like daughter-in-laws and stepmothers are invariably evil and I I kind of like the idea that you know the the queen mother can be rehabilitated and, and actually have a a good relationship with um with the armless maiden and I know the the Grimm's version have her as someone who is uh, you know a she's not a bad person but I have read other reworkings um from around the same time where she is is genuinely the person who's um sort of takes the place of the devil and is is the one who who sends away the mixed messages and and is actually the the danger um to the armless maiden so i that was one of the things i liked doing with that was was reworking it into kind of a um a supportive female relationship bond there and so can you tell me a little bit about what your process was like when you were rewriting this? You know, did you go back to the original tale a lot and think about the symbolism in that tale or, or the way things played out in order to, to come up with how you wanted to retell it? I did. I did. I went back and I read um, <clears throat> I read the Grimm's versions and I read a lot of other versions that had been written, you know, across different cultures and um, and times and and just started to pick away at the um, the issues that were that were there and one of one of the reasons I also rewrite fairy tales is that the originals are very flat they don't have a lot of um, character development or motivation or anything like that and in order to make them um, work better for modern readers those layers that I I like to add there so you know I, I picked out the symbolism that I liked and, and that I thought I could work with. 
what do you think the, the lesson of this tale is for people in the original story versus people today and your and your retelling? Um, I think the original one, it's it's very much a moral tale. You know, it's it's like a reworking of Job. Um, con- you know, constantly just trusting that uh, that heaven and earth and you know God will look after you and that sort of thing. Um, I think the the way I've rewritten it, it's it's more a, a tale of self-reliance you know and um uh not being naive about um the world uh and definitely trying to look after yourself rather than trusting other people to do it for you so I suppose my version is a bit more cynical and do you think this that it applies for both men and women absolutely you know it's um you know, one of one of the things with old fairy tales is that they're they're often, um, you know, a kind of a good girl's guide to how to behave and how to get picked by the prince and how to be sweet and neat. Um, and that's one of the things I'm trying to to rework and and get rid of. Um, but I think it, you know, just as far as a a tale about self reliance um, is good for both boys and girls. Um, so yeah, I think it applies to both as well. Okay. And to talk a little bit about some of the specifics in the tale, in your tale, um, you know, we've got this devil who, who is is just seeking revenge, wants to marry this woman. When he can't marry her because she's so pure, he wants to seek revenge on her. And uh, part of it, the, the devil watches her and says that he does not know what to do with her. And you write, after all, he has taken her mother, her hands, her father, all of her illusions. So what does that mean, all of her illusions? Um, for me, I think it's that, you know, the illusion that the world is a, a, you know, a happy place that's always going to be nice to you, that, you know, you're always going to have, a, a, you know, a full stomach and you're always going to have a roof over your head. And I think those illusions are taken away from um, Madchen very, uh, very abruptly and cruelly um, just by this, you know, it's, it's, it's the character of the devil, but in any other way it could be you know just the vicissitudes of life because you don't know what's going to happen so I think um I think those are the illusions that are taken from her that you know her safe little life will will always be there and different versions of this story have different bad guys so why did you I mean we, we talked about the stepmother a little bit as being cast as the villain but why did you choose the devil as the villain um when I was I was writing the stories for my masters, I you know I was trying to to pull them away from the original source material, but not not too far because I still wanted them to be very recognisable. Um, and I I liked the idea of you know um, keeping the devil there as as the bad guy because he's in so many of these tales. But as I've said before, the the fairy tales very flat with not much character development. So I, I thought about um him as a character what you know what is he and he's basically in this instance a um he's a a spurned suitor and it's it's really really gotten to him um and I think I think that was just really rich neat for um for keeping him throughout the story and and his motivation and that that kind of thing uh because I know some of the old versions um the devil disappears after his initial 
um, you know, his initial appearance with the the Miller and the apple tree and that that kind of thing. But I wanted to keep him there as kind of this nemesis that was that was just going to go on and haunt her. Um, I think he's very rich, a very rich character in that way. Mm, yeah, and um, in in the retelling, the the devil one of the one of the ways he gets back at. Um, is it Modchkin? Is that how I say her name? Yes. Yeah. Um, one of the ways he gets back at Modchkin is by turning her into an owl towards the end of the story. And this was, a, I, I was surprised when it happened um, because it's so unique and such a different way of, uh, you know, seeking revenge on her. Uh, why did you choose, why did you choose an owl as, as kind of the next level of, of revenge and, <laughs> and, um, and what did, you know, what was going on in the story at the time? Was this before the mother-in-law sent her away or after that? Um, no, it was it was after she'd been sent away. And, and there's there's a few things feeding into that is that, you know, the mother-in-law has sent her away uh, to keep her safe um, from, you know, she thinks that uh, her, her son wants his wife killed. And so she sends her away, but she kind of sends her into into danger with the best of intentions um the reason i chose the owl was because i i'd also been reading a lot of welsh folklore and um and the story of blodwood who is a woman made of flowers when um when she's uh vanquished um after her you know uh, doings she's turned into an owl as well uh and i i liked the idea i mean it, it, animal transformations is a big thing with fairy tales and it i suppose it could have been any kind of animal that that made it difficult for her to parent a human child um but i i just really like the owl it's it's a symbol of kind of wisdom and darkness um you know in some cultures it's a symbol of death um, in others, it's a symbol of life and rebirth. So it's just, it's a really rich symbol. And I, I think that just, um, just as a writer, that appealed to me. Mm. And the, the end of your story, now, now that she's turned into an owl, the, the, the end of your story becomes very different from the original tale. Um, and in the end of your story, the owl swoops down, um, I guess she's she's with her son, um, and the king comes along and sees the son by himself, and and takes the son, and then the the owl, uh, thinking ill thoughts about her her husband, you know, swoops down to get the king, um, and it sounds like, you know, wants to harm the king there, and it sounds like there's a lot of miscommunications as a result of the devil's meddling. <laughs> Um, in, in the affairs here. So what did you want readers to understand about this uh, section here? Um, I think it was that um, it's, it's a, <clears throat> sorry, it's a kind of a, a redemption arc, you know, that, that idea of, of being very selfless um, to look after someone else, um, which I suppose is a bit of a conflict with the idea of looking out for yourself all the time and self-reliance, which is, you know, what I've, what I've talked about earlier on. Um, but I just like the idea that that even it was it was basically the only thing she could do to protect her child, um, <clears throat> and and she was willing willing to make the sacrifice of of you know attacking someone she thought meant her ill, um, and it was that idea of sacrifice that actually won her her freedom back. Um, 
because there's you know I think there's also a certain independence in that that um, that willingness to give everything up um, of yourself just to to look after a child or a, you know a friend or or uh, someone who's close to you and requires that protection. Okay. And is there anything else that you wanted to talk about regarding your retelling of this tale? Um, I think, you know, and I, I said before, you know, you you like to do something new and to, um, to, to still have the shadow of the old tales there that, that people can recognise. Um, what I'm, I'm trying to do with my more of my work now um, collection I had in 2010 called Sourdough and Other Stories is take the the motifs of fairy tales but use them in, in a more in a, um, an original fashion rather than a rewriting of the tale. Um, use, use some of the ideas. For instance, um, Sourdough and Other Stories takes the idea of the princess putting her jewellery into food uh, and the original idea of that one was to gain the king's attention. Well, this is to get revenge on someone by making them choke on a ring. So <laughs> I'm, I'm pulling them even, even further away from their, um, from their original shape and, and hopefully doing new and interesting things with them. That's great. I, I look forward to reading some more of your stories. And that, that book, Sourdough and Other Stories, sounds really funny. Thank you very much for your time, Amy. Thanks sure. for listening. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Not a problem. All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye.